Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we're sticking to the superhero theme, but we're going back a little bit further than the 90s. We're going all the way to 1978 to celebrate the 40th anniversary of Superman. I was about to start singing it, and then I realised the tune in my head was Indiana Jones. So I, <laughs> I waited till someone else started. Curse you, John Williams, <laughs> and all your brilliant music. Uh, yes, yeah, so Superman is the film that we're looking at. Uh, Christopher Reeve's first Superman, uh, and it's it's considered a bit of a classic, and joining me to review, we have, as always, two guests, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has seen the film, it's Andrew David. Hello! How are you, Andrew? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Uh, How are you doing? I'm, you know, I'm actually quite well. Excellent. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Andrew, you are um, not only, dare I say, a little bit of a, um, a, a comic book uh, sort of pop culture Aficionado. Uh, Co- comics are probably the one thing I never delved too deeply into, mm. mostly because I never had the money to buy them. Fair but enough. every chance I get, I like to pick up one and just flick through it and have a read. Mm. Um yeah. Uh, and of course, you're also our uh, resident uh, fake limb maker, working in yes. aesthetic special effects. So, that is indeed my profession. Yes. Yeah, so, um, just to, just to get a sense, though, where does Superman, uh, in general, as a character, sit for you in the in the pantheon mm. of superheroes? Not very high, and I know that's going to make a lot of people angry. It's not that I don't <laughs> like Superman; it's that, and a lot of people attest to this that he's kind of a boring character. He he can be a boring character to write. Hmm. They're interesting the things you can do with him. The most interesting I find is when uh, he slipped on the head and turns evil or something. Okay. And they have to deal with that. Hmm. Um, I think he's a good foil character to the other characters. Hmm. Uh, and it is possible to do a good Superman story but it is notoriously difficult. Hmm. Now, with this film in particular, it is it is held up as being a, a, a classic of this sort of pre-Marvel uh, world yeah. domination of superhero films. Um, what are your memories of this film? I I watched all the like original Superman films in like the same month or two when I was like eight, maybe, and that's the last time I saw them. Right. So they all kind of blend together. I think... Lex Luthor is the villain in this one. Lex Luthor is the villain in okay. this one. And he's I, in prison in the second one. I remember I, that. I don't feel bad about saying that because it's a comic book film. It's a Superman film. Of course, Lex Luthor I knew is the villain. I was Zod and I remembered Zod being in the second one, I think. I could, obviously, my memory is a bit <laughs> hazy. <laughs> I don't remember anything specific about this film. Do you remember enjoying it, though, as, uh, as an eight-year-old? Yeah, you know, I was young. It was Superman. Um, every, you I know, was young. I was in denial. I was, I was in denial. <laughs> Every, you know, kid wants to see a man in a cape and underpants on the outside shoot Very someone with laser beams. Tight, tight yeah. 
tight pants. Mm-hmm. Well, joining us and speaking about <laughs> tight pants, uh, having not seen the film, it's Katrina Johnston. Hey, Stephen. How are you doing? I'm very good. Um, after you know, had about three weeks off uni now, so. Awesome. It's it's great. Yeah, I have a dream. life. Yes, uh, <laughs> and you've not seen this Superman film. No, I and I was thinking about it. I think I technically haven't seen any. I've seen bits and pieces of Henry Cavill, Cavill, however you Cavill? say it. Cavill. Yeah, yeah. Cavalier. The most British way you would say it. Yes. Yeah, Henry Cavill. Cavill. Henry Cavill. Yeah. Mm. Um. Yeah. I think I've seen bits and pieces of his one, and I've seen about half of Batman versus Superman, or mm-hmm. however whichever way it sits. Um. So as soon as you said Lex Luthor, I thought of Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg. Eisenberg, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sort of mm. him and his weird hair. Yes. Well, in this one, it's uh, Gene Hackman is, is Lex Luthor. So, yeah, already uh, a little bit interested. <laughs> I'm much more interested in this film now than I was like when you asked me to come do this um, do the podcast. Well, I'm glad that we're able to <laughs> entice you with a bit of Gene <laughs> Hackman. Um, what are you expecting? I suppose from this film, I'm expecting very a lot, lot of cheese, a lot of a lot cheese, of cheese. Mm. like yeah, some real camembert sliding off the sliding off the screen. All right. Yeah. Well, with that being the case, shall we watch Superman? Let's get yes. into it. All right, for those of you at home, pop in your DVDs and uh, find the nearest telephone booth in which to change into those tight, tight pants as we watch Superman. While Stephen and his guests are watching the film in question, I'm just going to take this moment to tell you about another project from Thoughtjar Productions. It's a science fiction radio play series called Atlantis, and it's available to download right now. All you have to do is go to www.atlantisradioplay.com, click the Listen Online tab, and you can listen online or download up to seven episodes of original science fiction content from Thoughtjar Productions. That's atlantisradioplay.com. And now... Back to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. And welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Superman 1978. And by we, I of course mean Katrina Johnston and Andrew David. Hello. Hello. We are still here. Yes. Uh, so. <laughs> Thank you, Superman, for saving us with yes. your wonderful time melding powers. Yes. And your ability to go into the Earth's core. Yes. And <laughs> what? Uh, become a super- drill bit when yeah. you need it. Yeah. <laughs> Catching bullets and just. Mm-hmm. Just generally all round super. Uh, Katrina, this was your first time watching Superman. What did you think? Didn't realise it was a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, half the film was a comedy, that's for sure. It, w- it was surprisingly funny. Yeah, it was. No, I actually think, I think how they filmed it, it it's a comedy <laughs> with a little bit of action stuck in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I think a lot of the things that we're finding funny about it are how the film has aged in some mm. respects in terms mm. of you know we, we are now in a world where we are getting regular superhero content um we, we're more aware of i guess some of the unofficial rules of how you put mm. together a superhero film and there is an expectation of um of the text and of the way it's presented yeah. 
and this film being so early in the um, superhero film canon, oh. it some of the stuff you can see, it's like, oh, that's laying the groundwork for what would follow. And some of it is, well, they tried it and you it can, didn't work. You can yeah. kind of see some of the villains laying groundwork for like the... Um... Oh, the Batman one that was done by... Oh, the the Joker? the um, or, or are you thinking Two-Face? No, thinking Penguin. Like oh, the, the DeVito's really... Penguin. Yeah, okay. yeah, DeVito's Penguin. And, and Batman who Beyond? Was that? Yeah, who was that um, directed by? Tim Burton. Tim Burton, yeah. yeah. You, you can kind of see the the oddity of those two, of those villains yeah, yeah. in, in later films. Kind of, what I liked about this film was that they were they were just kind of throwing everything they could at the wall. Mm. Yeah. And some of it stuck nicely, some of it kind of just fell off in a... Clump. In a heap. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think all of that works when you take it as the framing device they set up at the very beginning, which is a kid reading action comics and then... Them yeah. develop, and so every little thing that doesn't make any sense, you can be like, you can fall back on the, on the I guess excuse that it's a kid telling a story. I think that's a little bit of a long bow to draw. Yeah, it, it, um, it is. But at yeah. the same time, I'd I'd forgotten the framing device because yeah. this is a lengthy and that, that's film. Why I, think I only remembered a... because I wrote it down. Mm. Yeah, that's why I think it's a bit of a long bow to draw but because I... it was like. I forgot about it. Not a focus yeah. at all, no. They don't come back to it at the end. They yeah. don't like, bookend it at all. But that that almost feels like it's not for the film, people in the film, it's for us. Yeah. It's got the cinematic curtains by the side. It's got yeah. the square frame that the cinemas had in the 30s. And it's also, not only is it talking about where we were in the world in 1938, it's showing where comic books came from mm. and sort of putting you in that mindset where it is about creating adventure. It is about the yeah. fantastical. Um, and it's about... It, it's about it's almost gearing you up for that willing suspension of disbelief so that when you see young Clark Kent running alongside a train or outpacing it or all the other myriad ridiculous things that you see in this film, <laughs> you can almost go, oh, well, it is Superman. It is meant to be someone who is yeah, super. Exactly. Yeah. You, you, that uh, yeah. does help uh, smooth things over a little bit. But I agree it's not... I forgot about it. So yeah. yeah. It's not absolutely maybe, perfect. Maybe I think... Come, come to think of it, maybe it's just because of, um, as you said, we, and as you've said um, many times before, Stephen, we're now in a time where, you know, we've got at least, what, three or four superhero films coming up, so mm. we don't need introductions anymore. Mm. Just like, well, maybe that, that little comic yeah. book thing was an introduction to the audience saying, yeah, Things, this is a different things, kind of film. Yeah, things are going to be a bit weird. Yeah. And a bit weird they were. <laughs> now, I, I actually think the first half of this film is pretty play-by-the-book, how, so how you introduce yeah. a superhero character. Yeah, they take, uh, I remember I looked over at you at one point and, and said, oh, they've been doing backstory stuff for 20 minutes, and you go, Andrew, it's been over half an hour. Yeah. Like, oh, God, okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, oh, God. But we start, we start with, with Krypton and we start with, um, with, with Marlon Brando as Who a I didn't recognise without the cotton balls in his mouth. Yeah. But yeah, seeing Brando pop up and um, I thought he was pretty good. I'll be yeah. honest. I was, ex- yeah. I was expecting bad Brando um, and we didn't really get that. I think he actually, this character that he presented, this sort of guy who knew that his planet was mm. doomed but could do nothing but save his son, I think he actually did a pretty good job of playing that sort of almost godlike yeah. um, father figure that Superman yeah. is going to look up to. To be fair, though, he was pretty much just monologuing, which Brando, being like a, a very well-trained actor, yeah, 
it's got to be meat and bread to him. I suppose, yeah. yeah. But no, I think for me, Jor El is a dad, right? Yes, Jor El. Yeah, Jor El is always the most interesting part to me of the Superman mythos because mm. he's a man struggling against uh, a government that doesn't listen to him, and he has to take drastic measures to ensure the survival of his family. Mm. And always find that struggle very interesting. Sometimes done better than others, and yeah. I think it, it was great for Brando to be given that role. Yeah, and I also think it's interesting that we start this film with the trial of General Zod. Yeah, they were already setting up the sequel. Which is, yeah, really interesting. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot about it. Because it just we, happened we, yeah, and it was we gone. Did, we didn't see them again. And you've got, like, who are those guys? Yeah, because so we, yeah. we saw Terrence Stamp, Katrina and I both had flashbacks to Priscilla and I going, oh, great to see. Was he? I didn't he was even Zod. Recognize. Oh, was he? Yeah. I yeah. didn't even recognise him. And your ass! Yeah, because mm. we saw Terrence Stamp's name in the excellent credit sequence where <laughs> all the names flew in in the blue... <sighs> There we go. Yeah. Um, and we saw Terrence Stamp. Like, yeah, that was that was Terrence Stamp. So yeah. he is General Zod, who, for those who have not seen uh, Superman 2, appears in Superman 2 as as General Zod. They, yeah. The main villain. Yeah. I'm so surprised they had it pre-cast so early on. Like, yeah. I could see them having mm-hmm. that scene as a potential sequel hook, but just having random actors in there, mm-hmm. then coming back later and filling those roles in. But mm-hmm. to actually have all those actors set up from the beginning which has and that 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 sort of situation has been done yeah. like so many other times mm. none of which i can remember and a lot i mean <laughs> but, yes. a I'm sure lot, it's been done a lot of superman 2 was shot at the same time as superman 1 oh. but i'm not mm. entirely sure if it was shot because they knew they were going to get a two picture deal or if they just shot a lot and cut it down to this and then used what was left over to help create the second film. Yeah. Okay. There were a lot of production issues on this film, um, which we will get to in the trivia <laughs> yeah. section. Um, but yeah, Terrence Stamp only has that one scene. We see the um, the, the 2D uh, Phantom Zone prison yes. they get put in, and then they don't come back for the rest of the film. And I can imagine as a film goer in 1978 going... Okay, that was weird. Yeah. Uh, but but I suppose it was, again, world building. We were seeing what Krypton is. It's this place of crystals and technological advancement and glowing light suits. Mm. Um, and it informed Jor-El's character because uh, Zod offers him the chance at power. Yeah. And he says, it kind of, you kind of get the impression that Zod was doing something evil for a right reason mm. that Jor-El agrees with. Mm. But it's still like, ah, I'm not going to hang out with you. Yeah. I think, You're going to the Phantom Zone. I think also it sets up so another aspect of Jor-El's character is he says, oh, you've betrayed, you've disagreed with the council before. Yes. And and you've obviously done things. So he's a bit of a loose cannon, maybe. So that sort of very, it, it doesn't seem out of character for Jor-El to then go do what he does. No, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Which is to put his baby in a giant star crystal and shoot into the earth. At yeah. the nick of time. Yes, yes, just just in time. Um, I actually really enjoyed all the stuff on Krypton. It's some obviously getting to see model work is always good mm. fun. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of it, especially when it's done well. And I feel the Krypton stuff was actually done mostly pretty well. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah, There's and a one shot when the 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 crystal pot is leaving, <laughs> and we're like. Well, that one's very obviously a, a yeah. model. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, yeah. It was but great. It, I, and I think it also was a brave choice having it all white because I remember watching like a, how they made it from Star Wars when they did Hoth. Mm. And they were like, it's really hard to do CGI against a white background because all the flaws mm. are just picked up so easily. Yeah. Whereas when you shoot stuff against a black background like they did for most of it, um, for most of Star Wars, 
blends in quite yeah, well. Yeah, you have a star field. Yeah, it all yeah you can you yeah. can hide a lot. So baby uh, Kal-El slash Clark Kent, as he will become, mm-hmm. is sped off into space. Can I just talk about the names? See, uh, names. I I used to like I back when I was in high school and stuff. I did a lot of did a lot of writing. Pretty a lot of it was pretty awful. <laughs> was I will I will say now I was into writing fan fiction and everything. The names just make me think of like this stupid teenager boy just sitting sitting in his room going, "Oh yeah, what am I going to call him? Oh, that that'd be great." Well, because I mean, when the action comics and these serials were being put together by people like the yeah. recently departed Stan Lee and mm-hmm. all the people that helped create the DC comics and the Marvel comics, they were people in their teens, in their twenties. Yeah, I know, um, but. I don't know what it is. Marvel just managed to come up with like so many better names. I think really? the I think, so. I, I think the Marvel ones kind of sifted to the top, the ones that stuck. True. And DC kind of had a whole separate thing going for it. And the mm. the there's camp in both of them, hmm. but I think it's at least in the modern inter- iterations, mm. DC has has a lot more camp. Not counting Snyder, yeah. really, uh, but has a lot more camp just inherently to the product. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think either of the, the naming conventions are I, I think they're on the same plane. I don't think there's much difference between like calling your characters Batman and Superman <laughs> as opposed to calling them no, Captain the, America and the Hulk. That yeah. no, that you, part of it I'm yeah. not talking about. Like Batman. But the Superman, actual character names. The like actual Kal-El. character names. Jor-El, Kal-El, it just oh it smacks of really bad sci fi. Well um, it it you know, it's yeah, I mean, I, it's very old sci fi. Yeah, that's what I know. it's from. I'm yeah, I know I'm being picky, but it's just mm. like, oh, oh, it hurts me. That's fair. That's fair. Well, anyway, uh, Kal-El makes yeah. his way um, through space in the weird mm. star space womb thing as he's slowly being molded by I, the recording of uh, either over the course of four years or, or over the course of thousands of years, depending on the scene and who's talking. Time is yeah. very relative. Andrew, oh, yeah. Particularly in space. <laughs> well, the, fa- he does, the faster he's he going. reverse time. So. Yeah. This time movie does a lot of stuff with time. Yeah. 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 So let's, let's just say he got there. Yes, <laughs> he did. And he crashes to the earth and is found by uh, Mar and Pa Kent, yep. who are driving mm-hmm. along. Um, they're not in it for very long. I thought no. I thought they'd be in it for longer. Obviously, Pa Kent, uh, Uncle Ben's it after about 10 minutes. <laughs> very quickly. He has one very meaningful chat and then immediately dies in the same scene. Yeah. Which, Stephen, I will agree with what you said while we were watching it, that that whole conversation that Clark Kent... And what's his name? John Kent. He's Jonathan? referred to in the credits jo- as Jonathan. Parkin. I think pa- he is. Jonathan I think Kent. he is Jonathan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that that conversation that they have about you know what he's there for and everything. It actually really was I performed quite well, yeah. and it was done quite well, and it was probably written quite well. Yeah, and um, um the actors yeah. Jack Jackie Cooper and. Jeff East, Jeff East playing young Clark Kent. Mm. Um, they they had that great chemistry, and yeah. I thought Jeff Kent did a really. Um, Jeffy, sorry, playing Clark Kent, um, yeah. did, did a really good job as young Superman. Yeah. Um, you know, as the frustrated kid at the high school who wasn't allowed to go out with the girls because he had to stay back and clean the football helmets for no particular reason. Yeah, I don't understand. How it, well, I mean, it was work, very, but... I mean, it was very much he was suppressing his powers. Yes. Yeah, I think it's. I think that was maybe that was the only way he could. He couldn't properly demonstrate his 
powers. No. So mm-hmm. then he was never going to get onto the football team. So therefore, but he's maybe he's tried for it, and that's the job that they've given yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I, I really enjoyed the. I guess, I guess the Smallville sequence. Um, yes. And I can see, having not watched the TV series, I can see why they would make a TV series out of it. I yeah. think mm. giving that Superman character restrictions There's a lot does of, make it more uh, interesting. natural conflict that comes from that situation. Yeah. I think in some ways, you know, you're saying Superman is, you find, quite boring. Um, I agree. I think he is a boring character. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't... Yeah, putting him into a place where he has to be restricted by age, by ability, by all this other stuff, it does, it inherently makes Yeah, it once much he becomes Superman, he does everything and he says that yeah. Andy's perfect, um, which is fine if that's the film you want. But yeah, mm. when he's that teenager and he's frustrated and you can, yeah. you can, he's like, I want to rip that guy in half. And you're like, he could rip that man in half yeah. if he wished to. Mm. And I think maybe that's why the storyline now of common people coming up to superheroes and saying actually no we don't want you getting involved with our stuff because we can't control you Mm. and then by extension then trying to control them maybe that's why that storyline has become so popular now because it yeah those duller more perfect superheroes it makes them more interesting Mm. yeah 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 um when um superman turns 18 mm. uh when he goes from being superboy to superman um he wakes up one night because he's hit adulthood and finds the glowing crystal it calls out to him the one that was left by um Jarell. Oh, is that what, i is that's that that's well, the Jarell meaning mentions I later that he turned 18 and it, it's yeah. implied that yeah. yeah i didn't i didn't get it at the oh. time but when he's in the fortress of solitude and Jarell says now that you are 18 in the earth years and you are a, a man yeah i you you now found the crystal so i took it to mean that essentially the crystal was just waiting for him to turn the right age, which oh, okay. it makes sense, but it didn't make sense at the time. Like yeah. an egg time. You don't want a, yeah. a, mo- a moody teenager <laughs> Superman. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then so Superman goes, I found the crystal. I need to leave, Mark Ant. You're going to have to run this farm by yourself, and that's not going to happen because you're an old lady. Enjoy your Cheerios. And he then disappears. we never see her again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. can assume she died destitute and alone and as a widow. Um, Although he was sending half his paycheck to her. Did so... they say that? Yeah, Did he they? says okay. that he says that when he's at the when he's at the job at the Daily Planet, oh, and right. he's talking to the editor. He's like, "Oh, can this be organised so half of this gets oh, sent?" Okay. I, okay, I caught that conversation, but I didn't hear what it was about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, and I well. think, and then Lois Lane like gave him crap about it or something. Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So he goes. He he builds the Fortress of Solitude by throwing a glow stick into the the ice camp, basically. Yeah. Starting climate change right <laughs> he, there. He took it from Krypton. He moved it to Earth. It's all Clark Kent's fault. Yeah. Yep. It's a real cane toad situation. He's <laughs> he's really mucked that up. And um, and then all of a sudden he's working in New York at the Daily Planet as as Clark Kent as as this goofy. They don't really explain that transition. But... No. Like. That would have been a great time for like a training montage. Yeah, to be like. But training. Well, there is goofy. that two-minute uh, uh, oh, Jor-el yeah, speaking thing, which we talked over. Yeah. And we're like backstory, backstory, oh, yeah, the, the, backstory. The acid trip sequence. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. You will now learn about the wonders of the planetarium area, Mary. And then I got to fade in and fade out with more information. And immortality is something our people have to deal with. Yeah, and you're like, what was that? That sounded important. Like, no, move on. Look at the colors. Drop some acid. <laughs> It was, ve- and you can see the influence of things like Space Odyssey on this. I mean, mm. it, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the Space Odyssey obviously had a massive impact on all 
subsequent space and science fiction films afterwards but you can really see it in that little sequence there and that that willingness to not be afraid to go into something that could be very esoteric that not being afraid to lose the audience um i think was was actually a pretty brave choice Mm. and it's a bit of the film that um it's not necessarily important but it's not bad it's not i I, I agree and i think it's more interesting than uh it's a more interesting way of covering the he gets told everything about his home culture yes yeah um and so he he just doesn't inherently know it (laughs) yeah (laughs) though other people inherently know it which i'm sure we'll get to later yeah well we get to the daily planet he's clark kent he's doing a great job of being this big lumbering goofy guy almost sociopathically so yeah he's so good at faking it that it's almost like he's reveling in the fact that people don't know mm. who he is and mm. i think this is a good point to jump onto. um christopher reeve is a really good actor yeah like he he sure. does such a good job playing both the you know super confident ubermensch that is mm. superman but then playing this, um, I almost called him sort Clark Griswold. He's, he's Clark. He's Clark Kent. He's this kind of yeah, it's sort of dweeby. Yeah, yeah. Tall, but the suits know. don't quite. The second fit. he puts those glasses okay, on, I'm yeah. sorry, his suits fit very well. They did. I thought they looked a bit like made him look a bit. I mean, that's probably just him being a big muscle mm. guy. Mm. But I thought they just made him look awkward and cumbersome. No, I think that was just I think him. just how he was carrying himself. Yeah. Well, how? in that case, yeah. he's an amazing... Yeah. He's acting through tailoring. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, the glasses, the the having the hair parted on the opposite side from when he's Superman to try and make it different. I did not notice that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember reading at some point about how uh, people were mocking the fact that no one would like... Notice. G- get, get them confused. Yeah. And then... Uh, Christopher Reeve went out in his Clark Kent uniform, the yeah. outfit, yeah. and people didn't realize it was him. Hmm. Oh my god! And <laughs> yeah, it's it is it is pretty spe- special how it does. But also his physicality is different, his voice is different. Mm. And Christopher Reeve, obviously, he's but he, we were talking about him. We looked up. He passed away in two thousand and four. Mm. Um, obviously, had the the accident left him paralyzed in nineteen ninety five. And it's you know it is tremendously sad what what happened to him. And he and he did you know pass away far too soon. You know we. In a, you know, an ideal world, we would still have Superman. We would still yeah. have this this yeah. iconic ca- actor. I'm just imagining seeing like the Snyder films with cameos from Christopher Reeve and some maybe like a Jor El kind of role. Yeah, in it's a very different world. Yeah, and it's it's such a shame. Yeah, it, it's 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 mind Russell Crowe. <laughs> it, it's such a it's such a shame the way obviously everything that happened to him. But but mm. and it, it, there's a lot of sad things in this. I mean. Um, uh, Margot Kidder as Lois Lane. She passed away earlier this year, um, mm. and that, that was obviously very sad how that happened. And it's, but it is nice seeing them both in this film. Sort of, you know, it's it's that thing They've of being immortalized nice in celluloid. Of, uh, I wouldn't say chemistry on screen. Dynamic. Dyna- yeah, dynamic. Yeah, dynamic. I think is. She's a great Lois Lane. Yeah. She's thirsty. Uh, she's, she- <laughs> she's just weird. Yeah, she's, yeah. She she kind of latches onto Superman very quickly. I mean, um, a lot of the people she's working with at the Daily Planet, if that is her pool for potential partners, are not great. Not great. No. Perry White's too busy going, get me pictures of Spider- uh, Superman! Superman. Um, you've got um, Jimmy Olsen wandering around. Bit- Who's probably too young. Yeah. And a bit of a doofus. And then you've got all the other guys who are wearing those super press red shirts that just don't look great. And yeah. most of them have the same moustache. And terrible yeah. hair. Yeah, so, you know, if, if all of a sudden you've Curls got... Curls are in. Yeah. yeah and, then, and then when you've got actual Superman turning up and, you know, rescuing mm. her from helicopters and stuff, it's it's not surprising that she gets there. But even, desp- even despite that... It's she, quick. She, it is quick. <laughs> yeah. Like, she was faster than a speeding bullet to go from, <laughs> okay, I'm in. I'm all aboard the Superman also, train. We, we, can we talk about the fact that 
Clark Kent rocks up, get a, gets a job at the Daily Planet somehow, and it's just Clark Kent for like a week. And then the minute Lois is in danger, it's like, ah, oh, I guess I'll be Superman now. And then immediately yeah. starts Supermaning as much as he possibly can. Yeah, I think. And like, what was he doing for that week? I think he was getting settled in. I mean, we saw that. I thought a really important scene in this was seeing Clark Kent in quotation marks getting robbed. Yes, mm. I thought that, I thought that yeah. was a yeah. great scene. And like yes. you know, fainting when he actually catches the bullet and sort of letting Lois. I love, take charge. I love that little smirk that he has yeah. when he's like, she's off, like he. She's just gotten up and he's like checked the hand the, where the he's bullet. got the bullet and he's mm. like <laughs> again real sociopathic yeah. <laughs> yeah but I think it's yeah maybe he's getting settled in or maybe it just got to a point where he's like okay now that I've just got all these lessons from Jarrell and I need to it, you know I'm deciding what type of person I want to be mm. I want to be a person that saves um, this person. saves this person because otherwise she's going to fall to her death the helicopter's going to fall and crush the New Yorkers that sorry the Metropolitans mm-hmm. who who aren't um, Metropolisians whatever they, they who aren't moving out of the way of a very dangerous situation yeah, that was a bit um, and then from there he's kind of like ah effort I've, I've, I've broke the seal now I'm going to go stop <laughs> stop robbers a lot of stuff in a single night yeah well, well there's a lot of crime pretty, in Metropolis oh, yeah. he's pretty fast as well yeah you know kicking the uh, the cat burglar off the side of the building you know just kind of like get out of here buddy yeah, yeah. So does, the thing with Lois he does the cat burglar he does the boat, rescues boat the people cat. Yeah. rescues the cat yeah. and then saves Air Force One yeah, yeah. in like Two hours? Yeah, he's he's yeah. busy night. He's doing good. Well, mm. to be fair, it could could be longer than that. Yeah. Say say Lois Lane. Say say it's winter, so you know sun goes down pretty early. So Lois Lane's fallen out out of the helicopter at say six thirty. Yeah, it could be a good solid. Could be a ten hour night, or or True, even or even. But six also, hours. she was going to cover the fact of Air Force One landing. Yeah, she would have had yeah. to get there early. It's true. Got to be early for the airport. That's true. Very true. Um, yeah, so Superman essentially goes, I'm here now, I'm Superman. And obviously <laughs> the uh, the all the newspapers are like, get me pictures of Superman. Maybe you couldn't be bothered going and getting changed. Maybe yeah. that's why. Because he already, already had the outfit on. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I've got it on. Might yeah. as well go do some stuff. Yeah. Um, at this point in the film, we get introduced to Lex Luthor. And kind of, kind of <laughs> it feels like they were just making a second comedy bad guy film alongside this. If it wasn't for the fact... No, I, I tell you what it is. Lex Luthor is very much could have easily been um, Roger Corman playing Head, Headley Lamar in Blazing <laughs> yes, Saddles. That was the have. vibe I was getting. Just like you, Nincompoop, but like that the sort of vibe sort of thing. I got was Count Olaf, especially in that yeah. mid scene where he keeps he changes costume a bunch of times and keeps falling the same like military police. Yeah, and I was very Count Olaf. It's <laughs> I'm like I I think Gene Hackman. Um, is it, you know it's a very hammy performance. It's him and Ned Beatty kind of just out trying to out goof each other. Yeah. But um, but it it weirdly is quite charming. It is. Uh, yeah. It, oh, yeah. I enjoyed his performance. I just they they do the thing where they where they try to make the villain seem smart by only putting idiots next to him. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, I think I think the woman was intelligent, but Eve, she... Eve uh, Teshmacher was her name. The character's Teshmacher. name. Teshmacher was the Teshmacher. the, char- okay. was the oh, character's okay. name because oh, yeah. he shouts Teshmacher. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I, that... think, I think yeah. Eve was qu- 
quite intelligent, but the kind of intelligence where she keeps it on the down low. Yeah, no, um, that, that came through for sure. Yeah. She but, was she was there to wear fabulous outfits. That yes, was basically what it was. Pretty much it, yeah. Because there's you know then, there's, there's not many women in this film. There is three, and yeah. then also become was, thirsty. Oh, the little girl was she the third? Oh no, sorry. Oh, oh yes, five, five, yeah, five. not a huge. We've got amount. we've got Mark Kent, Lois Lane, Tashmaker, um, Tashmaker, the little girl. And the woman who doesn't speak but gets yelled at by the um, oh and, and um uh, Mama Superman no I said yeah 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 so fine yeah. look Did you yeah. say like five. Krypton Superman oh no oh, Ma- no like, I yeah. did yes because she has yeah. a couple so, lines and then there was that one it's basically Ocean's Eight it's women's everywhere it's it's fine uh, but, <laughs> no but they, <laughs> no they, problems in there but, but I mean I mean it is definitely past the what is it the blue the Bechdel test yes that's yeah. it definitely past nice. it yeah. you couldn't replace it with a sexy lamp because that lamp kept falling over in um, <laughs> Lex Luthor's <laughs> office um, but so so. That is something I should I should ask though, Katrina, as 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 a modern woman watching this film, um, <laughs> as it's. But I mean, watching it though, I was very aware that we we were shown very few women in this film, yeah. and one was Lois Lane, who, quite frankly, I'm worried about her. I think she has ADHD. Yeah, like she's. She she just reminds me of I think it was you saying she's like a squirrel where as soon as a thought enters her head, she just kind of goes. Yeah, for it. I didn't use the squirrel comparison, oh, but sorry. yeah, it was literally like. She had a thought. She's done with that now. It's gone. It's yeah. never existed. She's moved on. <laughs> but but she's also it's all and it's it's a problem obviously with lots of films of, of that time period yeah. and even films today where you, you, Lois Lane isn't shown ever as being like ooh sexy that kind of thing. So mm. that gets given to the bad guy lady who um, the, is also thirsty for Superman. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, actually, well, yeah, when she saves him, gives him that little kiss. Well, little. Uh, <laughs> and um, but but she's wearing all those like um, low cut things. Mm. Um, when I loved when the army were trying to give her mouth to mouth, and the captain's see, like, see for me, like, yeah, for most for most of the film, the female characters, yeah, they're not they're not great, but mm. you know, there's nothing massively offensive mm. that was massively offensive yeah. now sandbag soldier don't yeah. never be said that a captain doesn't do what he's not willing yeah. to let his pilots do it was literally like is he going like the uh, the mind was, the mind boggles it was it was just a weird scene it yeah. was yeah. it was it was um like but, that yeah. that felt like it should have been out of you know a Mel Brooks film or a Carry On film. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there was a bit of that. So ultimately, you've got Lex Luthor and Otis and and Eve just kind of bumbling along the side of this mm. film. We've yeah. got Superman takes Lois Lane on the on the date, I guess, where he takes her flying and yeah, then drops her. drops her and then catches her again, and she's 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 ready to go. Yeah. Like she, she figures out that yeah. he's psychic, I think. Sort of. Sort of. I, she's I like, thought, out of the, like, I you thought she's mine? like... See, I got from that that she was trying to see if he was, but he might not actually be. He did an excellent bit of, oh, what's over there? <laughs> I think he covered and then there was just like an extended sequence of her thinking. Yeah, and I, doing poetry. I, I kind of tuned out yeah, after that because I'm like, like, oh, shut up. This is going on for a while. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, they have their lovely date. And then... We get we suddenly get some plot happening with the baddies, and then it cuts back to yeah. Um, the baddies finally go. Oh, actually, that's right. We're in yeah. a Superman film. We yeah. need to contact Superman. Yeah. So yeah. Superman. So Clark Kent's in the office with the monologuing um, newspaper Very editor. Yeah. I'll tell you when I was your age. I'm just going to stare out this window now. Not not worry that you're not there when I finish talking, because he gets the high pitch message that only dogs and Clark Kent can hear. Um, somehow transmitted throughout the whole world. Mm. 
without shattering any windows. Mm. Impressive. He's very clever, Lex Luthor. Very Apparently. Clever. Yeah. And so he <laughs> Not says, clever enough to hire good henchmen, though. No, no. He says, Not clever enough to put the kryptonite on more than just a necklace. So maybe yeah. put it on him and then, like, chain it up again and yeah. then, like... Just zip tie his hands together and yeah. Yeah. Oh, just just watch him, just just watch him and wait until yeah, at least one of the, the missiles is hit. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So so obviously Superman gets brought to this subterranean uh, fun house that he's got. So we we touched on it, but we skipped the fact that Lex Luthor knows his psychic somehow, when nobody does. Yeah. And also the weird scene where he he deduces that kryptonite. How does he know that he's psychic? Well, because he sends out the message that only he can hear. Oh, you mean his level of hearing? Yeah. Well, sorry, not psychic, but yeah. I I assumed that was just him using some funky technology. Well, or maybe, maybe it's been mentioned in the article Mm. that Lois Lane does because she does. He's got super hearing. Yeah, they are reading. Oh, that might be yes, but that still doesn't cover for how he deduces that kryptonite will be bad for him. I think it's basically like, ah, this must be where Krypton is. Mm, This meteor came from this direction. Quick, let's get it. You know, either. Either twenty-five years ago or thousands of years ago, yeah. still up for debate. It's messy. <laughs> yeah. it, it's messy, but all that matters is that Lex Luthor gets Superman into his subterranean lair, mm-hmm. traps him with the kryptonite-like necklace, throws him in the pool, goes, "Well, now I'm just going to watch these missiles hit because I'm going to create." I will admit, I like the plan of throwing a, a nuclear missile into the San Andreas Fold to then create a new West Coast, yeah, and buy all the cheap real estate beforehand. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it and going. Okay, it's it's really dumb in the practical sense, but it's a great Superman villain plot. Yeah. It's a fun plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just send another one to New Jersey for no particular reason. Why not? Uh, but yeah, it's it you know it's it's quite good in that sense. Superman obviously is then rescued by uh, another thirsty lady, um, jumps <laughs> jumps out, and uh, and starts to. It essentially has the problem which I think. Maybe thirty years later, Christopher Nolan did slightly better with the um, in in the Dark Knight, where Batman has to choose between Harvey Dent or Rachel. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. that same thing, but with missiles. Yeah, <laughs> um, and and the love of your life and New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, and he saves New Jersey because he can't lie, and he promised Eve that he'd save it. Yeah, save her, her mom. Mom lives there. Yes, yeah. apparently, and like Luther didn't account for that and didn't care. I just no. love how he's just like. When when Eve says that to him, he's just like, meh. I'm like, nothing we can do about you, it. Why don't you just say, hey, give your mum a call, tell her to leave town for a bit. Mm. Yeah. Like, just make sure she doesn't tell anyone else. Then he's still got his henchman on side, yeah. and she's happy. Exactly. It's, it's bad people management. Like, it is. He's, he's just not up to it. Henchmen, they exactly. need they need he's to get a to, proper HR. He's unit. supposedly intelligent and super rich, but. Nothing he does with his henchmen makes any sense. So Superman goes, he stops the New Jersey missile, but he doesn't stop the, the California one. So then he's to quickly go around and save the kids on the Golden Gate Bridge and stop the Hoover Dam by building another dam from breaking and saving Jimmy Olsen, who's still taking pictures because he's a good photographer, damn it. He's earning that $40 a week. He's taking <laughs> those pictures there. Hopefully he gets a raise after I'd hope so. Week. You'd think there'll be like a danger bonus or something. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, but in all this, uh, Lois Lane's car is trapped in the fault and she gets crushed and smothered to death by all this dirt. And Superman gets... Really terrifying, actually. It's really it's re- very yeah. effectively shot. Superman pulls her out, but she's dead. Mm. He starts to emote and cry. What's he going to do? 
he's going to throw the whole plot into reverse. The thing we were debating for half the film. Yeah, we, we, as we were watching this, we were going, is this the film where he does it? And I thought it was because I, I thought it wasn't because I thought it was, um, I thought that was yeah, coming later. I thought mm-hmm. it must have been Superman 2 as well. I'm like, yeah. surely they don't end the first Superman film with that happening. Because yeah. then that just undoes anything that can happen in future but Superman films. And yeah. I mean, it's the ultimate power. Now, not not to tell them that's not how time travel Although works. Although he did get in trouble for it. He got told off He by got a... a bit of a telling off from his dead dad. Yeah. yeah. Just from it, Mufasa Cloud. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he, <laughs> for some <up>. reason. <laughs> but yeah, it, it does slightly undermine the fact that obviously you've got more Superman films coming after mm. this. He could just literally do the spinny planet trick and, and fix it. Um, and I'm presuming doesn't, unless that's a thing in every film. But it, it, it does undercut any of the small credible tension it had built like and like yeah. those shots when lois lane is dead and he's like standing over a body and yeah, it's, it's pulling quiet. back and it's quiet are effective shots mm. and but i also get this was a film that was primarily for a young audience killing lois lane in the first film would have been pretty um pr- pretty hardcore yeah. and i think uh, may have been an unpopular i think decision. also it probably wouldn't have been very useful if you're already got a sequel in play yeah 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 um, so yeah you can I, she, she's yeah. a useful character i yeah. also think as annoying as she is the unbelievability of him spinning back time works better when you take the action comics kid mm. reading it reading yeah of it. and it's uh, like and then he turns back time and saves lois lane yeah it's a very the kid issue, thing to do. like other than the you know that's not how time works you don't just spin the planet another way and time reverses mm. The issue that I have is, how the hell is he getting the planet to spin around by not even touching it? It's just the force. He's like a, he's like a inertia, an awesome moon. Uh, I, I mean, no, the moon I call does, crap. you know, arm, I call bullshit. Arm, yeah, yes, <laughs> I know, but, but on, I, I, on another yeah. level. <laughs> yeah, there are levels to this. Yeah, and then he only turns it back like twenty minutes, and it seems like everything still went bad. But Lois Lane, nothing bad happened to Lois Lane, and that's See, it. See, I'm assuming that his past self is still there, and so there's two of him. But now. then the, you create a paradox because then original oh, Superman is going to turn up maybe. and find that Lois Lane is fine and not turn the planet back, meaning that it was never turned back, so that then yeah. it would happen. And, but yes, yeah, the, the thing that really bothers me, you have a, a you have shots of the dam rebuilding itself. But then Jimmy Olsen is still there with Lois Lane and is like, thanks for saving me from the dam, Superman. Mm. And yeah. you're like, but we just saw the dam not break. So I don't know but maybe, what's happening at all. Maybe he can turn the planet back, but he can't change memories. So like Jimmy Olsen <laughs> thinks maybe? the Hoover Dam blew up. <laughs> Lois Lane doesn't remember dying. Lives with that for the rest yeah, of Lois Lane doesn't remember dying because she didn't have time to form the memories because she died. Mm. That is the only way I can sort of justify this really bullshit. Thing that <laughs> and, then, and then years down the track, Lois Lane's like suddenly starts getting cold sweats whenever she's in cars. And yeah, can't sleep properly. Really, develops any PTSD. Every time she gets into a vehicle, something yeah. goes wrong. Helicopter yeah, actually, crash, yeah. car smush. Like it's 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 a bad time. Mm. She, um, well, to be fair, she wasn't a particularly great driver. So yeah, recording no, interviews while she's driving, yeah, not looking that's a at the great road. Idea. Kill you interviewee yeah, ugh. and still they sent her out to california from the presumably east coast of yeah. air base metropolis for, for some reason um and then just to make sure that bad guys have their comeuppance superman just breaks into prison and drops them off and goes you can hold these guys here till trial because i've got to not cock up due process i guess <laughs> and the prison warden's just like yep cool we'll do it you're a great like, guy superman love you superman thank you for all your good work today 
Yeah. Oh, so simple. Yeah. I mean, it it is simple, but at the same time, you know, they're, they're turning the 40-odd years of Superman yeah. history at that point into a film. Yeah. I think you have to keep it simple. But I think that's also just what, from what I am aware of Superman, that's just what he is. He's he's simple. And that's also, I think, why you have issues with Captain America. Because mm. um, I think in some... in many ways captain america is a response yeah or is is uh, you know a pairing up they could both have the catchphrase truth justice in the american way yeah Yeah. they could yeah um and yeah the it harkens back to a simpler time where you know wars actually fighting fighting for peace was not a a um an excuse yeah no no it was it wasn't an excuse it was an actual reason um yeah you know guns did help to 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 stop crime and yeah all these very simple things mm. um simple cause and effect whereas yeah. nowadays you get the more complex characters yeah. so, superman is is a superhero who doesn't often have uh his tales don't often involve nuance no and or at least the the original tales don't. Yeah, and that's the, the original, same right, that's the same for, sure. for a lot of superheroes but yeah. i feel a lot of other superheroes have developed, and particularly my, my issue with Captain America, uh, dear listener, is that um, <laughs> they've had so many films with ca- characters like Captain America and Iron Man and the Hulk, and yeah. they've developed almost all of them. The ones that they haven't really developed in any meaningful way are Captain America, who I just feel has sort of stayed the same. He just grew a beard one time. Uh, and yeah. and in the same way, I don't think Black Widow has been particularly dealt with either, but I, I feel that's an entirely different matter. And I think it's that lack of development, particularly. I think it's more pronounced in the Marvel films when yeah. you're you've got Captain America directly opposite characters like Thor, oh, man, who's man. gone for all this stuff, and Tony Stark, who's gone from being irresponsible playboy to like, no, we must be do all this and be I on think, the register. I think he has gone through those changes, and I think the newer Superman films also show the changes for Superman. Yeah. Um, just to link it back to what we're talking. About. Yeah, <laughs> not making um, the Marvel vs DC, yeah. but it's not as obvious mm. because. Iron Man is almost a almost a complete 360, whereas Captain America and Superman it's a divergence. Um, Captain America in particular, he's you know he started in the military, and his divergence is he stops listening to the government. I suppose, yeah, yeah. I, I think the Captain America is designed in such a way that he he does have some personal development that happens through him growing up and becoming mm. a hero, mm. learning how to do that. But from that point onwards, it's not... Um, not... Uh, sorry, I can't think of the word. Uh, well, as, as, you, as you're saying that, the thing that comes to mind is that I think my issue with Captain America is so much of his character is based on the fact that he was frozen in time. So yeah. in order yes. to in order for that character to stand out when in the modern day, he's sort of got to stay the same. Yeah. He's got to stay that 1940s I, I think that's also model. the thing. He, he bends the world around him to how he thinks it should be rather yeah. than when the world changes, he doesn't just go along with it. Yeah. He says, no, mm. this is wrong. Yeah. My way is the right way. That's how it happens. Mm. Um, whereas Superman, on the other hand... He just uh, leaves. He often, he? he tries to take a step back. Yeah. yeah. He goes to the Fortress of Solitude. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is interesting. And I, I'm sure that we could have a very big discussion <laughs> we, about the yes. psychology of superheroes. Uh, but we should probably get onto the trivia for this. Sure. Yeah, yes, please. Trivia. To obtain the musculature to convincingly play Superman, Christopher Reeve underwent a bodybuilding regime supervised by 
David Prowse, who played oh wow, yeah, played Darth okay. Vader, was the physical oh, body of Darth Vader. Yeah, really. Yeah, because yeah. he was quite a physical guy. Yeah, he, he was that. a boxer, I think, or something. I can't yeah, he was. Exactly. He was a guy who had a lot of muscles. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, that's why he was Darth Vader, even though mm. you know he had a bit of the Yorkshire action or weird accent coming through the helmets. He just sounded like a generic English guy shouting through a helmet. <laughs> it's very funny looking at yeah. those raw recordings of those scenes. Yeah. yeah. And then you can understand why they got James Earl Jones. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, he supervised the, the regime. And um, like, as we were saying before, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a thirst inducing that's, that's thing of like, beef. There's quite a few links between this and Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, well, the score from John Williams, as we yeah. were saying in the opening, we're going so much of it. Yeah, and it's like, Star is this Indiana Jones? Is this Star Wars? Is this Superman? I guess like yeah. it's yeah. There's very signature uh, motifs which you use yeah. throughout the sound uh, the soundtrack. And, and yeah, because yeah. like all three of those films were in a very similar period, so mm. it's natural for them to kind of blend together. I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. John Williams is so good at it though. It's like it doesn't matter that it's the same as other stuff. You're enjoying it. Yes, and like the, su- the Superman theme is a great theme. Even if we keep confusing it with the Indiana Jones thing, <laughs> it is very evocative when I, you remember it. <laughs> I would, uh, yeah, I would argue that it's not a fantastic team because, like, to be fair, this is my first time seeing the film, but mm. I, I couldn't. Which superhero has the best theme then? I guess in terms of film superheroes, um, just in terms of like, I guess if we're going whether or not I can remember it, yeah, then Indiana Jones. Yeah, because I can remember that. Yeah, because I mean, with Spider Man, you got the um, Spider Man. Spider Man does whatever. I, mean, that's more of a I only remember. A yeah. I yeah. only remember that because of um, the Simpsons movie. Yeah, <laughs> Spider Pig. Yeah, okay. yeah. And again, with, with, I haven't even seen that film. Yeah. No. <laughs> and again, with with Batman, you've got the Batman. But that's not been his theme since Adam West was was yeah. Batman. So yeah. like, it's it is interesting how those movie themes don't generally stick around as much. Mm. Um, like, what's the Iron Man theme? I think it's literally just Iron Man by Black Sabbath. I don't yeah. know if it's well, yeah, they, for like the first. 12 marvel films they had they didn't keep the same uh, uh composer on board yeah so that's why you don't remember much music from any any of the marvel mm. films because yeah. they, they're not consistent yeah yeah i think they just would have realized oh guardians of the galaxy we'll just have songs that people like yeah and use that. <laughs> come and get your love but to be fair to any composer I just I'm terrible at remembering songs, mm. so I'm probably not the best litmus test yeah. for for the excellence of, yeah, of take, theme tunes. Take Katrina's music uh, <laughs> uh, decisions with a grain of salt. Mm. Uh, no, my music decisions, as in the music I like, definitely On come and listen to that. So, no, yeah. I'll, I'll awesome. never I'll never insult that. No, but <laughs> but if I'm using just my ability to remember yeah. the songs, then yes, take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> According to Roger Moore's autobiography, he witnessed Christopher Reeve walking through the canteen at Pinewood in the full Superman costume, oblivious to the swooning female admirers he left in his wake. When he did the same thing as Clark Kent, no one paid attention, yeah, no just one like did. you said. Yeah. I just love Roger Moore going, lucky bastard. <laughs> well, to be fair, when he's dressed as Superman, one, a lot more obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, blue, those are very bright primary colours. stands out. And that ass... That's the one I was looking at his arms the whole time. Well, well either yeah. one. Did, did the didn't the cape? I don't remember yeah, seeing his butt at all. You don't, really, but you don't. But that. Are that's you just what imagining? Were you just imagining you, it the just whole time? Imagining Christopher <laughs> yeah. Reeves' bum. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, he's a good look. He's a good looking man. Yeah. Know? And you know, he's um, he's he is very very. He suits 
the costume and it's it's yeah. it's it it is rare that i think you see an actor and the costume go together so well like yeah. we've seen with the batmans there's obviously lots of different types of suits and things like that but the i think the simplicity combined with the fact that christopher reed was a bit of a babe made <laughs> made it work really well yeah uh initially gene hackman refused to cut off his mustache to play lex luther in uh, early uh, one sheets of the movie his face is featured with a mustache uh, before Richard Donner, the director, and Hackman met face-to-face, Donner proposed to Hackman that if he would cut off his moustache, Donner would cut his off too, and Hackman agreed. Uh, it turned <laughs> out later that Donner didn't have a moustache at all. He wore a false moustache and peeled it off. Oh, my moment. God. That's a, make- that's a Lex Luthor move right there. Oh. Yeah, that's and he's great. like, see this? <laughs> I don't understand actors and performers refusing to... Unless they've already got like another film set up where they need like hmm. long hair or you know a big beard or something. Like Henry Cavill yeah. in the latest suit. Uh, it's it's Superman. not the first time. It, it's the first. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not for the last time. A yeah. Superman will have trouble with Mustaches a moustache. Are a through line. Yeah, I I'm like. Unless you've got you know prior commitments that mean that you can't wax that beard or whatever. What you, you're earning lots of money. You're being in a freaking film. Just do it. It's so I don't understand people who who like are so tied to their hair when it grows back so easily. That's the thing for men, though. It doesn't always grow back. <sighs> On the face, it does. <laughs> I'm against it because when I had to shave for a role, I just looked like a baby. So mm. that's why I'm against it. But I wasn't being paid Gene Hackman yeah. money. So yeah. <laughs> like, if you were getting paid. The amount of money that he would have. Been I would paid. do pretty much anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Like, yeah, it it does seem a bit petulant. But as we're about to as we're about to find out, uh, Hackman was far from the most petulant actor on this film. <laughs> There's a certain Marlon Brando uh, who <laughs> refused to memorize most of his lines in advance. Uh, in the scene where he puts the infant Cal L in the escape pod, he's actually reading his lines from the diaper of the baby. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. I love Marlon Brando line readings. It's so good. Yeah, he told the director that um, the only way to keep the performance... Uh, this was the only way to keep the performance fresh and not over-rehearsed. The only way to do this was to record it the first time he read his lines. Oh, my wow. God. Yeah. And he still got top billing? Not only yeah. did he get top billing, he got top bills. He, he was the highest paid actor for a film in history when this Jeez. was released. Oh, my gosh. Intense. Um, Brando was paid 3.7 million dollars. Oh my god. Plus 12 minutes of work. Plus a percentage for the gross for 12 days of shooting. He wow. it was in his contract you could only have him for 12 days. Wow. The payment also covered the sequel which was shot at the same time. Brando didn't appear in the sequel though because he sued um I oh, sorry Ilya Salkind the executive producer claiming that Salkind had not paid him for his percentage of the profits he ultimately received about 14 million dollars for 10 minutes Wait, of screen sorry, time. Wait did you say 14 or 40? 14 one four. Okay. That's still too much. Yeah. It still <laughs> it's more much. than a million dollars a minute. Oh my god. So yeah. Even No especially for back then that's oh, just yeah. that's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, Steven Spielberg was offered the chance to direct this film yeah. Producers balked at the salary he asked for uh, They decided that they wait and see how Jaws went Because uh, mm-hmm. it had just been completed uh, Obviously Jaws was a massive success But Spielberg had moved on to other projects By the yeah. time that they came back and asked So I mean, Sucked yeah. in well, and, well they used the money that they saved on Spielberg To pay Brando <laughs> Yeah <laughs> Um, Richard Donner, the director, was not asked to return to complete Superman 2 because he'd publicly criticised uh, the Salkins, the executive producers. Margot Kidder, who openly supported Donner, found her role as Lois Lane cut to a cameo in Superman 3. 
Yes, uh-huh. I do remember reading that somewhere. Mm. So, yeah, don't mess with the Salkins. They are far from Salkind. Uh, seems to be... You, you rolled your eyes a lot more. You rolled your eyes almost as much as when you heard about Marlon Brando's demands. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, Christopher Reeve worked out so much during the making of this film that the travelling mat shots taken of him at the beginning of the shoot did not match the later shots and had oh, to be retaken. Wow. wow, okay. And that's it's an interesting thing, because in last week's podcast we did X-Men, and Hugh Jackman's physicality changed so much because he only got cast three weeks into the shoot. Yeah, he, yeah, was, he was in England at the time. Yeah, he was replacing um, uh, Do Gray Scott, and mm. So his physicality changes from scene to scene because he bulks up very quickly over the time. Working I, on the I film. like tracking how Hugh Jackman grows throughout the X Men films. Mm. That is yeah. an interesting. Like by the time you get to Origins, mm. that he's insane. Like yeah. you go back yeah. and watch the original X Men, and you're like, "This is a tiny man." Yeah, and you skip forward five, six years, and you're like, "It's because what happened?" It's, I think also it's because um, X Men for him started. A whole bunch of action films. Yeah. Like, mm. you know, he was... Not too long after that, he was Van Helsing and... Um, oh God, I rewatched that the other day. Oh, it's what, terrible. It's so it's bad, terrible. but it's so fun. Mm. Um, and that is the only one that I can remember. Oh, did he do Swordfish? Was that was that I soon that after was or was that before? I, I don't remember. That was, yeah. Swordfish was early 2000s, X-Men was 99. So oh, okay. So, yeah, if so he after. was in Swordfish, which I can't remember, then yes. Yeah, he was. Okay. He was, he, hackers, he was, he was he? the hacker. Yeah. He was, was he also in Hackers? I, I don't no, think so. No, that was Gene Ethan Hackman. Hawke. <laughs> that was <laughs> he Ethan, bulked up for that No, one. that was Ethan Hawke. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure. Mm. With Angelina Jolie. Mm. It was Jolie, yeah. Anyway. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> To maintain on-screen continuity, Christopher Reeve dubbed all of Jeff East's dialogue as young Clark Kent. So that's oh, that's yeah. Reeve's voice. Weird. Yeah. I didn't notice at all. Yeah. He also yeah. did the voice of some of the um, the the helicopter pilot talking. He did some of those voices as well. I guess so, I had him in the okay. booth anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he was he's all over a, He's got a good voice. Yeah. Good, neutral, masculine voice. Yep. So, um... Jor L wears the same S symbol on his clothes that Kal L would later wear as Superman. Hmm. That was Marlon Brando's idea. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, an actual good idea. Yeah, good he, job, yeah, Brando. Yeah, he was like, maybe this isn't an S. Maybe it's representative of like the, the house we're from, and that yeah. then became part of Superman. Did all lore. the other? Yeah, that because all the other people had their house crest on. Were they was that put in afterwards then, or was that initial? I wonder. I'm not sure. Maybe Judging he... from the costumes, it would. They, they would have had to been built into the costumes it, because... Well, it looked like it was added on top. I was looking at it because it, it looked a little bit out of place. Um, yeah, see, I thought I thought it, it actually looked... Because you were saying the costumes actually have lights in them or something? Like there's just lights reflecting off of it. Yeah. Because if, ju- it's, if it's the fabric's actually made out of some sort of white something, you know... Like a la Tron, yeah. Um, then I would, yeah, I would say that the the symbols have been added, like have been there from the start. designed from the yeah. beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, poss- yeah, I'm sure. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the Superman creators Jerry Seigel and Joe Schuster were both delighted with the results of the film, so they they liked it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So just yeah, I just thought it was an important one to throw out there. They got to see their their creation on the big screen mm. with the best effects available at the time and they liked it so awesome. that's fantastic for them 
Um, to achieve the shot of young Clark Kent kicking the football into orbit, <laughs> an air cannon was placed underground and the football was fired from it. Is that an actual <laughs> shot? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. Wow. I thought they must have done some rotoscoping or something in like... I don't know if it's fully that shot, but they did fire the football out of an air cannon. That's impressive. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> on the first day on set, Marlon Brando suggested to Richard Donner that the camera rolls that the camera should roll during rehearsals. Brando reportedly said, who knows, we might get lucky. According to Donner, the, that very first take was one that was used in the finished film. Oh, of course, wow. yeah. So, yeah. Brando again, just with his mm, one and done kind of attitude. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it works. The movie was filming in New York City on the night of the 1977 blackout. The New York Daily News was able to publish despite the blackout because the film company let the newspaper use their generators. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, helping real-life newspapers as well, which is um, which is nice of them, you'd have to say. Uh, Jeffrey Unsworth, who this film is dedicated to because he passed away between his finishing his role working mm. on the film and, and the film being released... Um, he believed that he had accidentally caused that infamous blackout when he plugged a spotlight to a lamppost during the shooting of the film. <laughs> so he just plugged it in and then all the power went off in New yeah. York. And he's God. like, ooh. What awful timing. That's great. Yeah. A so. spotlight. Like, fair enough. It probably would have been a pretty hefty spotlight. But if a spotlight was the thing that brought down the power grid of New York City, <laughs> oh, New York's got some bigger problems. <laughs> Pre-production began in Rome, with most attention being spent on unsuccessful experiments to make Superman fly. Uh, the executive producer, um, Salikand, uh, later bemoaned the fact that they lost over $2 million on aborted flying wow. tests. Wow. The Italian pre-production had to be abandoned when it was discovered that Marlon Brando could not visit Italy because there was a warrant out for his arrest accusing him of an obscenity charge thanks to involvement in the film Last Tango in Paris. Oh, oh my God. Which, um, yes, for, for people who maybe aren't aware of the issues around Brando and Last Tango in Paris, um, yeah. maybe look it up, but it's not a pleasant yeah. read. There were lots of actors obviously tied to the role of Superman. We'll get to some of them later, but three in particular uh, that turned it down. Uh, Robert Redford, because oh, okay. he wanted too much money. Yeah. Uh, Clint Eastwood, because he was too busy. He's, he's too grizzled anyway. Yeah. And James Kahn, because he said, quote, there's no way I'm getting into that silly suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you kind of need someone who's going to embrace the silliness. Yeah. Yeah, because there was, even in the serious bits, there was... There was quite a bit of silliness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. The film was planned in three years and shot in two. At the height of filming, over 1,000 full-time crew on 11 units were spread over three studios and eight countries. Wow. Wow. Over a million feet of film was used. Oh, my gosh. And it had the highest production budget of any film at that time. So this was a big project. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that it worked for them because um, that would have been disappointing. Yeah, it would have been horrible if it was a flop. Mm. Christopher Reeve proved to be an even greater asset than anticipated after he was cast. Reeve flew gliders as a hobby and used his experience as a pilot to make Superman's flying feel more believable. Oh. Um, so, yeah, he, he mm. did good. He like, did his gliding. Yeah, just incorporated that into into swooping around the planet. And... Awesome, that's yeah, great. Yeah, I was trying to think, what for those moments, I was trying to think, is there any way that you could physically show that you were flying... That looks more believable than what he than what he put on screen. Yeah, if you're just on wires, swinging around, what else can you do? I honestly can't think of anything else that that he could have done. No, it's 
Like, it, yeah. You yeah. see, you see that exact kind of pose nowadays. You know exactly what. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's got a lot of connotations. You know exactly what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Audience members might be able to hear a train going past, which is relevant to our next piece of uh, trivia info. I think that's the third one we've recorded over. Yes. <laughs> According to Jeff East, who played young Clark Kent. During the shot in which young Clark jumps in front of the train, he was nearly hit by it. Yeah, I'm not surprised uh, well, I wasn't sure if that was uh, rotoscoped or not, yeah. No, nope, he was doing it. Uh, the stuntman, Richard Hackman, no relation, uh, grabbed him just in time and eased avoid being injured. Oh, wow. wow. I don't know if it was moving slower and they sped it up or what they did, but... It, it looked like yeah. I was watching it because he was sped up all over the place anyway. Yeah, so... so. I, I and it, I, in that shot, he was also sped up, so I'm assuming mm. they mm. just did it slowly. Uh, Dustin Hoffman turned down the part of Lex Luthor. Oh, could have been interesting. Could have been interesting. Yeah, would have would have been interesting seeing him in that suit. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit like a preview of uh, Mr. Megorium's <laughs> Magic See, Emporium. I think, in a way, Dustin Hoffman wouldn't have been able to pull it off because I think Gene Hackman was enough of a straight guy that his silliness was okay. Mm. But I think Dustin Hoffman, I don't think he could have done the the walk down the middle, so to speak, mm. between those sort of Yeah, couldn't balance it as much. Yeah. yeah. Now, are either so. of you guys familiar with the um, 70s TV detective series Kojak? No. I, I've heard of it. There's yeah. a dog in it, I think. Um, that, about, or that, is that Cujo? I don't know. That's Cujo. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so Kojak uh, was this detective that had a show in the 70s, yeah. um, played by Telly Savalas, who was... Um, it was a big show in the 70s, very popular in America, mm. and indeed in England, uh, weirdly. Um, the Mario Puzo screenplay that Richard Donner inherited and quickly rewrote included mm. a very camp moment where Lex Luthor encountered Telly Savalas playing Kojak in a <laughs> railway station, Kojak would then offer Luther a lollipop because Kojak ate lollipops all the time and asked him his trademark line, who loves you, baby? <laughs> it would be like if Columbo turned up halfway through the film and just went, I have one more question. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah. It's... I don't know what Puzo was thinking. I guess it's just trying to capitalise on the popularity, but it just feels so forced. Yeah, like, to if, be, that, to be if fair, that was there now... Writers, writers do that all the time. But if that was there now and you had, like, a Kojak cameo, like like... You guys wouldn't have known. You'd be like, what's no. with the bold guy? <laughs> it would be like a, a, a film in this day and age, like Peter Dinklage showing up and saying a, a Tyrion Lannister line and then walking off into the distance. Mm. And then 50 years from now, everyone would be like, uh, I think who was who? that charming, tiny man? Oh, I think people would recognise a Peter Dinklage cameo you know, in the 50 years. I think it'd be more like getting... It'd be like getting... Jake Peralta. Jake, no, even Jake Peralta I think is too yeah. famous. I think you need to go like... Like Judge John Deere, or or one of those like um like the the Rosemary and Time, the two guardian yeah. detectives. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like them appearing in the middle of of going Deadpool oh, Superman, two. Here, would you like? Oh, here, Deadpool, have some. <laughs> mm. Um, the scene in which the burglar is scaling the office building and falling off it. There's a guy in the office uh, whose window he passes, who was in a chair. He was strapped into that chair and That's was so hanging amazing. at an angle. 90 degree, that was great. Because they had That's to have so it. Cool. Yeah, they had to have it at the right angle for yeah. Superman and the burglar to be stood on. And it looked great. It, it looked did, great, yeah. It did not look like he was hanging at all. Yeah. It was wonderful. Uh, Paul Newman was offered the choice of playing Superman, Lex Luthor, or Jarrell for a fee of $4 million. Okay. Newman was not interested. For $4 million. Yeah. Yeah, I can kind of imagine it not being yeah. his cup of tea. Well, not not when Brando got 14 for it. Like, yeah, that's fair. I don't get out of bed for $4 million. Um, Sylvester Stallone lobbied hard to play the, for the role of 
Clark Kent because he was a big <laughs> Superman fan, um, mm. but was do- but was uh, ultimately turned down. Um, apparently, he was deemed too Italian. Uh, but Stallone <laughs> found out that Marlon Brando, <laughs> Marlon Brando had casting approval on this film, yeah. and Brando turned him down because he didn't like Stallone. Um, wow. Yeah. And Stallone subsequently went on Merv Griffin's talk show and denounced Brando, saying he had no respect for the superstar as an actor or as a man. Wow. So, yeah, this started some real beef between Stallone and Brando. So, yeah. But we could have had a Stallone... I mean, we probably wouldn't have had a Stallone Superman, but it was a consideration. It'd be a very different film. Hmm. I haven't seen enough of Stallone's early stuff where I'm assuming he hasn't had a whole bunch of drugs. Yeah. And, you know, can actually enunciate at least a little bit more. So, yeah, I've got no concept of what that would be like. Now, there is a massive list of actors that could have played Superman. They went on a big casting spree. Mm. I'm going to read out names and I just want yes or no. Okay. Okay. Would you you have accepted this as an actor playing Superman? Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. That was the one that the producer really liked, but obviously he hadn't done acting, so they yeah. went maybe not. I love that idea. That'd be yeah. It, that would have been cool that would have been like groundbreaking. Mm. Yeah. Um, Burt Reynolds. Nah. Uh, He's got the physicality. I uh, even then he was a bit too old. I think. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. What he okay, looks that's like. fair. Um, Al Pacino. Yeah. No. Oh. He's. It's about five years on from Godfather. Yeah. I can't... It's a bit short. I don't think America could have split those characters in their minds. Yeah. You would have been like, oh, this is that uh, kind of bad guy now playing the epitome of good. Yeah, mm. yeah. that's fair. Arnold Schwarzenegger? No. <laughs> it would have been the Hercules film all over all over again. Mm. Conan the, the, Barbar- the, Conan Barbarian. the Barbarian. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Christopher Walken? <laughs> <laughs> No. No. <laughs> um, John Voight? No. Uh, maybe. He, uh, having seen Deliverance a couple of months ago um, and seeing what he looked like a couple of years earlier, he was he was all right. He was okay yeah, looking. Okay. He he not not like to the point where Christopher Reeve was. Yeah. I don't mm. think you'd have got as thirsty Lois Lane, but <laughs> potentially. Uh, and the final name on this list, um, Elton John. What? I would have watched it. <laughs> what? He would have rocked those tights, that's for sure. Mm. Oh my god. I just <laughs> Oh man. man uh yeah, man. they didn't do that. Um which is probably good. Um Aaron Smolinski, who played the infant Cal L, would later appear uncredited in Superman three as a little boy waiting outside a photo booth whilst Clark Kent gets changed into playing Aww. Superman. Oh. He also then played a communications officer in Man of Steel. So he's been in three Superman films. that's great. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. So yeah, he's just going to keep turning up. Yeah. Just just getting in He's like, one day I'll play Superman again. If he's he's just doing something else, you know, maybe he's like, works in an office or whatever, or, you know, does Mm. a Charlie Bucket and goes and becomes a vet. Mm. Yeah. you know, and just occasionally gets a call to be like, hey. Hey, you want to walk on set for like half an hour? Yeah. yeah sure. Get, get you know, maybe a couple of hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah, be easy. Mm. Uh, Carrie Fisher was considered for the role of Lois Lane. We discussed this during the film. I think it would have been a very different Lois Lane. Yeah. 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 I think she could have done it, but I think she was maybe that bit too young because she was only 20 when this yeah. was yeah. put together. I think it would have quite worked. Yeah. So maybe not, you know, keep it to Star Wars. Yeah. Um, now, Carrie Yule's 
best known for um, for Princess Bride, mm. was a production assistant on this oh, film. Wow. Oh, he, it was his job to bring Marlon Brando out of his trailer every day. Oh, what a horrible, thankless job. That That is like, here, welcome to the industry. We're going to like... You are getting thrown in the fire deep end. Ba- no, baptism of fire. I'm yeah. really mixing my words up uh, Brando had little incentive to leave his trailer, according to Yules, in an interview, um, and refused to call Yules by his given name, choosing instead to give him the nickname of Rocky. I don't know Rocky. if that's related to Stallone. Yeah, I don't know if he's picking on him because he doesn't yeah. like Stallone. And... Or maybe it's like rocks in your head yeah. kind of thing. Maybe. Possibly. I mean, Carrie Yules was a teenager at this time. Yeah. And Brando's probably just like... Maybe he's got acne? Hey, hey Rocky. Go get me another sandwich, as you wish. (laughs) (laughs) Got to write that one down. That'll come up later. Uh, Christopher Lee turned down the role of General Zod. Oh, man. That was so good. Uh, He had just moved to Hollywood as a tax exile and didn't want to have to return to England. (laughs) (laughs) Of course he did. Well, I could also imagine that's probably a bit too close to um, his villain in Bond. Yeah, yeah, it's not too far oh, apart. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of mm. kind of same kind of vibe. Uh, the leading British director Guy Hamilton, who directed several Bond uh, mm. films, was originally hired to direct and was scheduled to shoot in Italy. Uh, but then, when the production moved to England for financial reasons, Hamilton backed out because he too was a tax exile. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah a so lot of people getting out of England. Yeah, and uh, and finally. Uh, the development of the best method to show Superman flying was a long period of experimentation. The methods attempted included simply catapulting a dummy in the air. <laughs> I'm so glad they tried See that. how it falls. Uh, a remote control model aeroplane painted as the character and simply animating those sequences. Um, the, product- the producers settled for a combination of forward projection and specially designed zoom lenses that could create mm. the illusion of movement by zooming in on Christopher Reeve while making the forward projection appear to recede. For scenes where Superman had to interact with other people or objects while in flight, Reeve and his fellow actors were put in a variety of rigging equipment that was carefully lit and photographed to hide said equipment. Yeah, cool. And, like, I mean, yeah, it, that's that's really hard to yeah. right, ingenious. It, yeah, it holds up. Like, it's mm. not it's not beautiful. It's not brilliant. Like, yeah, you can see yeah. if people could fly, that's not what it would look like. But it works for the film. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. You're not looking at it and like cringing at. Seeing like the cracks yeah. in, I was, in the I was painting, very, like I was very much able to go. You know what? It's from the seventies, late seventies, um, and and still, you know, enjoy it. Like yes, going. Oh yeah, that's not quite fantastic, but it's still pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And that wasn't by any means a leap. Like I was thinking, I um, was thinking about this, and this is five years after Westworld, where. They spent like five million dollars or some ludicrous number on five segments of CGI, mm. and it was the first time CGI had been used in a film, and it was literally the grainiest image you'd ever imagine. It was it was the robot's vision, mm. and that was it. And like in five years to go from that to this is pretty amazing yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a leap for sure yeah mm. and one final thing that i forgot to mention uh there was a, a couple of cameos in this film uh, specifically noel neal and kirk allen noel neal uh, played lois lane and kirk allen played superman in the films superman 1948 and atom man versus superman from 1950 oh, man. Uh, atom man. they cameo as um 
young Lois Lane's parents on the train because the little girl that sees the boy running is apparently mm. Lois Lane. They're the yeah. parents of the little girl on the train. So that's that's a nice little cameo. Good that to get them in there, for sure. Yeah. So with all that said and done, it's time to score the film. Ooh. No, not in the John Williams way where it sounds like everything else, but in the numerical <laughs> way where we just try and give it a score out of 10. Uh, Katrina, as you're the person who's seeing this for the first time, what would you give Superman out of 10? I would give Superman a six and a half thirsty Lois Lanes. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I did enjoy it and it was fun, um, but it took me a while to get into it. Mm. Um, like, I think the only time I'd probably watch this again is if I was having a drinking game. Yeah. And, you know, background, almost background stuff as at a party. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was still, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Andrew, what would you give it? I think I'm also going to give it six and a half imaginary Christopher Butts out of ten. Um, I think it's, it's an important cultural touchstone. I think everyone should see it at some point in their life. Yeah. And I wouldn't say... It, it's a fun film to watch. It's definitely a fun film to watch. But there's definitely some cracks in the seams you can see. Yeah. Mm. Um, and again, like it would be a fun drinking game film or it's a fun film to sit down with a couple of mates and... Uh, have a good time with yeah Yeah, i definitely think it's something that you have to watch with people yeah um i think that's particularly yeah hopefully friends Uh, (laughs) it's yeah sit down there with your worst enemy bond with your worst enemy over it maybe yeah yeah it's i i'm gonna i'm in the same ballpark i think it's like you say i think in terms of superhero films it's pretty important i think in terms of films from the 70s it's it's pretty outstanding for what it did technically um, but it has not aged particularly well in no. some respects, and also mm. the story um, is a bit all over the place. Yeah. So I would give it six. Boy, people don't say swell that much anymore. <laughs> out of ten, because um, yeah, it's it's fine. It's not a bad film, but it's also not super. So that's that's where it ironically yeah a little bit but but it was enjoyable so yeah. uh katrina and andrew thank you very much for joining me on this episode thank you i had a swell time <laughs> bringing it back yeah yeah we're gonna bring it back <laughs> oh god yeah, you kids back swell 2k18 yeah you kids had swell now it's gonna be swell mm-hmm. uh for those of you listening at home if you want to tell us that we're swell or anything else you can contact us on facebook just search for the cinema catch-up club there we are also available on patreon if you want to become an official member of the club and get a few bonus extras maybe katrina singing something in today's episode earlier that oh, i will god. have uh cut out just for the patrons um why do i do these things to myself (laughs) yes you can go there and um and and become an official member and get some bonus content like that just go to patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast and as always if you've heard this episode and gone boy i'd love for one of these to just appear on my phone or laptop every week well subscribe silly all you got to do is go to itunes or soundcloud or other podcasting or podcatching services just search for the cinema catch-up club we're there and you can listen to us on your commute whether that's uh, by car by helicopter or flying into the Daily Planet offices, Clark. We know you're listening. You can can hear everything. Uh, But that's all for this week. So until next time, goodbye.
You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.